Welcome to the BU Find Your Greatness podcast, a holistic personal development podcast exploring the journey of growth through real life stories. Today we're joined by Buki from Daughter of the Sun, a self-love empowerment community that encourages the healing of women from African backgrounds. We go really deep into self-love as we discuss her self-love journey and the false start, self-love in relationships, what getting hijacked in South Africa taught her about self-love, and how changing her face with plastic surgery didn't provide her with the self-love she expected. So welcome to the BU podcast. We're here with a good friend of mine, Buki, from Daughter of the Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you doing today? Not bad. I'm acclimatising. Acclimatising <laughs> to what, the British weather? or Yeah, and I'm just telling everyone for straight two months I've got jet lag. So I'm just... Two months of jet lag? Yeah, yeah. Is that two months of real jet lag or two months of I can't be asked? Combination. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So let's start off with Daughter of the Sun. So I understand it's a female empowerment and self-love brand um so mm-hmm. could you like to tell me a bit more about that so door of the sun is really a reflection of where i am at in my journey at any given moment so the dominant outpour of you know what happens within me is visible online so on instagram i'm on there and what i do is workshops events which circle or should i say they are sister circles. So if you're not sure what a sister circle is, it's bringing together women, creating a safe space where they can go through whatever it is that they need to go through. So the events do have agendas, they have themes. The first one happened in Jamaica. I think it was 2016. And then I've had events in the UK and I was due to do one in Australia as well recently. So, yeah. Okay, so you were due? Was there a reason? Oh, you came back here, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, which which was a personal challenge. But that's the thing when you are, you're doing this work, it needs to be reflected in your real life. So I could have, given the circumstances that I was in, I could have just continued with the event. But because I had to take care of myself, so personal self-care had to be on point at that moment, I had to make changes to the the external work you know what I give to other people so you say self-care what is self-care for you then uh first of all I want to be very clear and say that self-care is very personal so what my response is may not fit you may not fit another person self-care at the moment you know there's so many different mediums telling us what self-care is because you know there's money behind that as well people can earn money from putting out these products etc which is great nothing wrong with making money but I think when you're looking at your self-care, you need to be very, you know, open to what's going on inside of you. Say, what do I need? Whether that's, you know, generally people look at things like TLC, you know, giving yourself a certain bath, taking yourself somewhere alone. Self-care might be not speaking to certain people that you spoke to before, you know, what food you're putting in your body, whatever it is that feels good to you. Um, One of my favourite poets, she talks about, you know, get it and feel good. So that's definitely 
it's something that should be unapologetic. For so sure. get what? Get what exactly? Whatever it is that, like, for me, um, do you want some personal examples? Oh, yeah, well, Okay, so it might be dancing in my room to my kind of music as if no one is watching because then I can feel liberated. I can, you know, move certain energy that needs to be moved. So there's a lot of stuff. I don't even call what I do self-care dates anymore because it's just so frequent. It's not even a thing for me to go to a restaurant alone, go and watch a film alone, travel the world. Like, it's not a thing because that's what makes me feel good sometimes to, you know, do those things, take that time out, you know, get more in tune with yourself, etc. Sounds good. So it's interesting because I guess we've jumped ahead a little bit because... We're here to discuss self-love, but obviously self-care is a huge part. There's no, mm. there's no love without care, right? Mm. So, mm. I mean, where would you draw the distinction or how would you give self-love a broader definition and what is self-love for you? Okay, so self-love for me at this moment is being unafraid to take actions that empower yourself, despite the fact that self-care can, sorry, self-love, see, so interchangeable, self-love can often look selfish. Some people even say, where do you draw the line, what's self-love and what's narcissism? I've heard that discussion and I would say accountability. So if you have to, you know, let's say, make a decision that is beneficial for you, but on a surface level, maybe detrimental to another person. Of course, that can look like selfish. It can look like narcissism. But if you know that your intentions are good and they're ultimately going to, you know, add more benefit to you, then in my thinking, that is always going to be beneficial to others that you interact with. So if you are your best at the foundation, your self-love, your self-care is on point, then naturally a beautiful byproduct of that is other people can experience you at your best. That's cool. So like I've just done a video yesterday actually, um, which I've literally just uploaded. So maybe you can check that out later. But mm -hmm. essentially I've broken self-love into five parts, um, which were essentially uh, acceptance, mm. uh, appreciation. Mm -hmm. So you need to accept yourself. You need to, accepting yourself is one thing, but then appreciation is taking it to that next level mm -hmm. um and you need to be able to show yourself compassion yes uh mm -hmm. and it's interesting you just said about the whole selfish thing um you need to be able to set boundaries and mm. people often confuse boundaries as being self-centered but like you said if mm. you're not at your best mm -hmm. how can you be of any use to anyone how exactly. can you if, even if you've got a very given heart mm -hmm. Sometimes you can give, 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 and mm -hmm. you're left empty. So mm. you can't express your given nature when you're empty. So boundaries. And then, um, so I think what we've been describing as self-care, I've kind of put down as practice. So mm. I, 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 to me, self-care is practice, the act of practicing self-love. Yes. Um, and so that's just bringing into the routine um every day making sure you're appreciating who you are that can be through affirmations um and you know when you have those moments when things may not go your way or things are going wrong that you'll take a moment and instead of being so oh, mm -hmm. you're, mm -hmm. you're so useless or you know mm -hmm. when you get into that negative cycle you yeah. show yourself compassion and self-care 
all these aspects come into self-care and practicing mm. self-love so it's, it's cool what you think about it i think we're pretty much on the same page in that yeah. sense mm-hmm. um so what was having a discussion a little bit earlier um about so you mentioned self-love is profitable now for some mm. reason but so 20 years ago mm. self-love it was a hippie thing it was mm. for the hippies and now suddenly it's it's kind of a mainstream commercial kind of thing. So yeah. why do you think that change has happened? I'm not an expert. I can only talk about my path, you know, where I've walked and what I've engaged with, what I've seen. But potentially a lot of that is to do with the very material and aesthetic focused world that we're in at the moment. You know, this social media, this visual exposure, And of course, you know, all these studies will reflect the fact that it's affecting people's self-esteem. You know, their ability to be authentic is being tampered with because we're having to perform. So when you're in this world of I have to indicate I've got this, I've got that, I'm not like this, I'm not like that, then you become detached from your true self, you know, continuously pushing away your 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 truth and then choosing something that is not your truth and that's when self-love you know is screaming to for you to take a hold of that journey that's what I would say it's a balance of those two things creating this outpour of the need for self-love and self-care so social media's (laughs) kind of put a lens on us that we didn't necessarily have 20 years ago so everyone is in your Mm. life now everyone knows everything about your life and then Mm -hmm. the opposite side of that is uh the whole FOMO and um you're you because you're seeing into everyone else's life and Mm. forgetting actually all you're seeing is the highlights Mm. so no one's posting the days when they're lying in their bed watching Netflix all day Mm. no one's posting the days you know they might be down and they're crying and Mm. you know Mm. no one's posting that stuff so if all you're seeing is parties drinking having a good time mm. fancy restaurants mm-hmm. then you're gonna be like hey what am i doing with my life yeah <laughs> and i think what's just came to my mind is even filters they mm. will we'll be at a point in the future when a lot of people won't even have pictures of their children without a filter mm. and real life image of your baby isn't even going to be there because it's just going to be you know some puppy ears on their face and some flowers and I'm I'm like really yeah like (laughs) I I've literally got one image of me on or might be in a video Mm -hmm. on snapchat with Mm -hmm. a filter Mm -hmm. and the difference between traditional filters and what you're actually doing you're just enhancing the colors Mm -hmm. um just make things a bit more saturated or sharper just so they look pleasing to the eye Mm -hmm. but then when snapchat brought their fake filters (laughs) out so you're talking about the dog and stuff but Mm -hmm. actually there's this idea of what beautiful is right um symmetry or whatever Mm. and what snapchat are doing is literally beautifying you so i'm like looking at this picture and i'm like wait am Mm. i really that hot (laughs) (laughs) but um it what that does though is you see a lot where now some people won't even take an image of themselves without Mm. that level of filter because to them it enhances how they look and Mm. so you start living a a lie almost because you can't compete with the computer 
Yeah. And I think the filter concept and the whole let's show a life that I'm not living, what it actually does is leaves the individual empty. And I believe that the level of self-love in terms of the journey really, you know, it's kind of spurred on when you're in that valley. And I I think it's India, Ari, when you're in the valley, that's when you can see both sides more clearly. So if you're doing all this filter stuff and then, you know, when you get the shame when the camera's face all the way, bam, that's actually what you look like, you know? Mm. And then it, it kind of just peels all that. There's, there's, that's just a small example, but you realise that you're not really real and then you've got to pick up maybe this. That's not really how my personal journey where I'm at now started, but um, interacting with other people, et cetera, and just through observation, you maybe have a moment, generally speaking, where you realise how disconnected you are. Mm. You know, you're not, like you said, you're not even taking pictures without the filter anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. But it's when uh, you just said... That's not how your journey started. So mm. I always find it interesting, this idea of self-love journey. So I'll get into that in a minute. Mm. But um, what is it for you that one day you woke up and thought, I need to go on this self-love journey, so to say? It wasn't that conscious. I didn't have the, you know, the vocabulary to be like, this is self-love. This is what I'm doing. I find it interesting when I look at my own, because there was a point when I tried to go down this road where I'm, what I'm on now. And it wasn't authentic in the sense of, for me, I had to, quote unquote, know who I was and love myself to keep hold of another person. So therefore, at the root of that is not self-love. So I was reading these books because I didn't want to be insecure because the insecurity wasn't working in that dynamic. So then I was like, okay, well, I've got to love myself to keep this person. That's literally how mine started. But it wasn't the real deal that was the first part of the journey and then you know as that relationship with that person you know wasn't in my life anymore then I started to do the real the real work if that makes sense so you feel so your relationship hit a point where mm. it was already degrading and so in that point you're like maybe there's something with, wrong with me mm. so you start is that what you're saying no because okay the concept of insecurity, sometimes it's it's not actually present, but let's say it's projected as something that you are about. So then what's at the, what's at the root of insecurity? You know, lack of self-love, lack of self-esteem. But then that's, that was the catalyst. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. So then I would read the books and I would do this because I'm like, well, because I'm being insecure and it's not it's not fruitful for this connection now, it's causing a problem. I'm going to look at my insecurity. Why am I insecure? And then you pick up certain books and then and then it starts from there. I'm not saying it wasn't part of the journey because the journey is continuous. There's not really a, a real, you know, you can't put a line under different sections of your life like it's, you know, a best selling book. It doesn't work like that. It's real life. But that's um, a something that stood out. And I remember being like, when I actually got into the different phase, like that other stuff that I was doing before, that work that I thought I was doing, just preparation for this bit now. So before we get into this bit now, mm -hmm. just want to just, because relationships, like how, okay, so let's just double back a second. So how mm. we view ourselves, mm. how we feel about ourselves, it's very difficult to 
detach that from outside validation. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of people find is within relationships, they mm-hmm. have a level of validation. Yep. Um, and then it's kind of difficult to exist without that. Mm-hmm. So, but you saying in your relationship, you discovered you were insecure. Mm-hmm. So is that to say your partner at the time wasn't feeding you in terms of um, the things he said to you, the way he treated you, mm-hmm. or was that what the dynamic or? No. And that's what shows you that it's you. Yeah. Not, no matter what another person can say or do, if that bond with self is weak, then it's weak. I've been on the other end of that when I've poured so much motivation, support, encouragement, love into a person, but because they are not there, they do not. How can, it's cliche, but how can somebody love you if you do not love yourself? How can you receive that love if you're not even there you know people can only meet you where you have met yourself like it works that way as well um yeah there's a lot we could explore with that to be honest and so you come out of this relationship and you say that's when the real work started Mm. so what was the real work or what is the real work you touched on it before that validation i'm very much now into connection rather than attachment so when you have relationships that are centered on attachment then of course that i'm not saying i'm at zero and no one doesn't need to validate me in any way shape or form because then i'll be a robot i'm real you know what i mean (laughs) but it's like um when i came out of my story is when i came out of that the real work started because solitude is my thing it is my tool of self-care because when i'm in that solitude i cannot run to anyone for this validation i cannot there's there's different levels of all this validation okay but i don't need a cosign on so much stuff it's not always been easy it's not like oh i came out of that and all of a sudden i validate myself internally but i'm very much now an intrinsically like motivated person i do what i need to do because it feels good to me it feels right so um, intuition is really important that internal voice knowing what's right what's wrong for you it, it's it's been a process over years of course to to reach this point to do some of the things that you know I do you know outwardly for others in the community and with my within myself so it's not overnight yeah so how okay like you said at the end of the day we're only human so the outside world will still have an influence mm. but how can you you get to that point where you're let's say 80 percent there where mm. you're 80 percent self-validating what what did you do to get to that point okay it's ugly it's not pretty you're gonna cry you're gonna be confused but you are going to have to dig deep inside of yourself and be like okay i need to be self-full fill myself with me okay what what is me what's at the foundation because if certain parts of myself are there, but they're not being, you know, utilized or stimulated or you have to just do that, whether that's, you know, research into self through trying out new things, putting yourself out of your comfort zone, engaging with new people, going to different places, whatever it is for you. So for me, the the spoken word did it because you know people do journaling they do meditation and some people might argue that those things are part of that also but going within you in the way that works for you you have to go with it 
because you can read all the books you want, etc. But it's are you actually going to actualize the new theories that you've read about? Because self-love, a lot of people are theorizing it and they're not living it. That's where I'm at now with some of my thinking. So even for me, 2019 is like, OK, we're stepping the game up and we are putting these things that we can talk about all day into practice, you know. So um, touching on relationships and validation how do you really know if you've done that work and learned that lesson until you engage with people in the same way that you may have before? Or else, it's, what is it? It's just a theory. So within your self-love journey, have you had moments where you veer away? So, you know, you're like, you hit a point where I'm like, hey, um, I, I don't rely on validation from others. Um feeling good about my life where my life is going mm. like do you have moments where you kind of just veer left from self-love so in a sense that my new real because I think it's a continuous thing you always get in these new inf- you know downloads as I call it of information so validation cannot really be completely healed at all until you put yourself um in contact to the sources, the types of, you know, things that were validating you, whether it's, you know, other people, material, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, you have to, you know, be involved with that. So definitely like walking into, my thing is relationships. They teach, love is a teacher, in my opinion, in so many, so many life-changing and, you know, engagement that has really come from relationships. This self-love thing is, People put it across as you, it's you, it is you. You have to do the work. You have to do the realisation. You have to do the processing, the actualization. Well, you cannot do the the test in a way alone, if that makes sense. So definitely um, the choices that I have made and the when things naturally maybe would have fallen away, you are still clinging to a validation. You're not going to let them things go, for example. Letting go, to me, is um, a revealer. How easily, in terms of uh, connection, attachment, those two things I was talking about before, are you operating from a you know your lower self? Are you working with attachment or your higher self, which for me would be you know connection? I just want to go back a little bit because you were talking about... Um the process being never ending. Mm. And I was finding the whole idea of self-love journey interesting because it's not really a journey, is it? Because you don't arrive at self-love. You're not suddenly, I'm at self-love, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a process. But I guess it's part of growing and learning. The more you grow, the more you mm. learn, you're always going to find new challenges, new experiences, new relationships, etc. that are always going to mm. kind of influence your 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 state in terms of self-love. Mm. So I want to move on um, to, so you said you've just come back to the UK from Australia. Yeah. So how long were you in Australia? Were you living in Australia or? Uh, at first I refused to take that, you know, that label. But I said, when I bought, I'm allowed to say a product. <laughs> bought, of course. <laughs> when I bought my Nutribullet, I'm like, okay, I live here. Like that was, that was levels. I live here because I've got a Nutribullet. But um, I was earning money there, you know, socialising there, doing my living there. So, yeah, but that was nearly a year. I think it's about 10 months that I spent there or nine months. Yeah, I don't know. It's 
I'm not one of the people with dates, you know what I mean? Dates and time frames and because a lot happens in life and that's just not my focus. But um, yeah, the traveling was in total, I think it was 19 months that I've maybe done. Oh, so, you, so Australia wasn't the destination. It's just you were kind of stopping in different places. Yeah. So you, you could find there's two types of travelers, right? There's, yeah. I've always wanted to travel the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they tend, tend to kind of travel at 19, 20 kind of mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. right? And then there's the, I'm running away from life travellers. Which, <laughs> like, which, which category do you kind of fall into in that, in that sense? Wow, okay. Um, a lot of reflection has to reveal this. So at the time, I don't think I was as consciously aware of some of my motivations. It's a combination. So life positioned it so that things, you know, like remove themselves. So I had stability at one point. All the things that, you know, for our age group and everything, this is success. You got this, you got that, you got your good job, you got, you know, you got your place, you got a relationship, blah, blah, blah. You got, it's not like I wasn't traveling, I was going on holidays. And then when these things, one by one, Cause let's say one would go and I'm like, cool, I don't need to make a move because I still got X, Y, and Z. Next one falls away, next one. And then the last thing that seemed like it would not go anywhere, which was even where I was living, like it went up for sale and I was like, okay, time to make a move. So then the, the circumstances surrounding it practically just seemed like it was an okay thing to do. But in order for me to actually go on the journey, I had to set myself back up again, but only with a temporary mindset, knowing that this is not forever. I have to make a move, a big move. You know what I mean? So, and that's what I like to stress to people. Because when I have conversations, because I literally have traveled the world, I've gone from one side to the other. And in a way, it's not even finished, but you know, I have to cross that. And people say to me, well, how could you do that? I couldn't do that. I've got a man, I've got this, I've got that. That's self-loving itself, because if you have something within you, a desire, then who are you? Because I believe that desires are not just random. They're given to us. We have to, they're connected in my belief system to the divine. So if I have a desire, I can't just be like, snip that out, forget that. Because it's not even going to, it's not going to remove itself. It will come back to you. So you need to deal with it, you know, in the way that you can, when you can. So, you know, I had all that stability again. Um set up and I could have just carried on in that stability but I had to follow that does that answer your question so life (laughs) kind of happened Mm -hmm. and conveniently it was like okay I have no attachments right now so Mm -hmm. I can go traveling but in reality on reflection you're Mm -hmm. like there are things you were escaping yeah so to say yeah I can touch upon that like if you really, okay, I guess you do want me to go there. Oh, if, so, you want, if, you, if you're willing. Yeah, no, that's willing. fine. So, yeah, because I think my thing now is owning parts of my story so that they do not, you know, grip me in any way. So I would say that at a certain point, as I said, it was only reflection that revealed it because I wouldn't go around saying this at the point because that wasn't my truth. I didn't I didn't connect with the truth. But yeah, I'm going around the houses now. So That's basically right. in terms of relationships, right? And this is going to make me sound so cray cray, but okay. So <laughs> if I am not still and fixed in one place, what I'm living that whole, I'd rather catch flights than feelings. You know what I mean? So that solitude that I spoke about before, 
as I said, it's prevention for me because at that moment I didn't have all of this um, grounding that I have within myself. I was vulnerable out here. Like, you know what I mean? I had to, I had to do that. So that's the thing about coping mechanisms. Okay. So they serve a purpose at a time. They don't need to go everywhere you go. And at the moment for me, I'm kind of stripping back with a lot of the things that I've been carrying around for a lifetime as survival, you know, but if you're no longer in those circumstances, then those things become redundant. So at that point, when I booked that round the world trip, it was what I needed to do. Okay. Yeah, I own it. So <laughs> in terms of traveling, um, the greatest cliche ever is essentially you learn so much about life through mm. traveling cultures just and, and also yourself. So kind of what lessons have you taken or were there any kind of situations or experiences mm. that kind of taught you things during your journey? So many. I'm going to go the recent ones. So in Australia, I have made amazing connections with beautiful people which taught me, for example, because self-love is a lot about independence and not looking outward, but then there is that balance of when it is time on your journey as an individual to ask for help, to take help, then if you don't act on that fact that it is that time, then you're doing yourself a disservice and everything about self-love is giving yourself the best. Okay, so shout out to those people, but that's taught me that sometimes you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable to other people in that sense. You can lean on other people. It doesn't mean that you don't love yourself. So when you go on this self-love, self-love, in a way, some of it's not even accurate. You're thinking that you carry around about your self-love. So, yeah, that's one thing. Other things are identity, who you are. Travelling around the world in different environments to different people, you're one thing. Even the terminology placed upon you as a person, it can differ in different environments so then what happens is for me is you're not going to allow anyone else to define you any longer because it's not stable the only thing that's stable is how you hold yourself so I talk about these concepts of being home within yourself because no matter where you place me as a person I have to have certain things because external can't knock me off anymore and I'm in my head now I'm like what can bother me I've traveled the world Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. You know, I've told you about the South Africa thing, and actually haven't told me about the South Africa oh, thing. Oh yeah, this is good. <laughs> yeah, I just so, say it so okay. easily now. Uh, is like, it something you can talk about? Oh or? yeah, okay. now I can, and yeah. this is what I say to people: don't confuse the fact that it's easy for me to say it now without getting emotional. That you know, it wasn't a thing because it was a thing. You know, it threw me off who I was and so long story short I was hijacked at gunpoint you know even the trainers off my feet were taken I was punched in the face I had a man a strange man on top of me searching me all of that you know with rope in his hand so I thought I was gonna die and you know all these other things that was going through my head I'm a positive person but that positivity was nowhere to be found in the back of that minivan that I was in I was traveling from Swaziland to South Africa and yeah the self-love part comes into it aftermath so after I went through something like that okay I couldn't even leave my room like for a day or so and then the building that I was staying in 
there was a comedy show in the same building. So me and my friend who I was with, we decided, okay, we're going to have to go outside. We need to eat some food outside. Let's go. So we go to this comedy show as well. And I'm a person who, you know, I've got a certain level of ability to speak and be present. You know, I do performance poetry. So I'm normally on a stage. I'm normally comfortable to share who I am on a stage. I am telling you that at that moment, I was uncomfortable sitting in a crowd. You understand the things that was going through my head. I was, and then I had to leave early. Like, imagine, imagine. So when I've left, I was just broken because I'm like, hold on a minute. You took my trainers, I can deal with that. But now you've took who I am. You've taken my confidence. You've taken my ability to own my space and use my voice. Because right about now, I'm thinking, how am I going to do my thing again when I can't even sit in an audience? I've lost me. So then the realisation was, lost me. But I thought you didn't have yourself. I thought you didn't know yourself. I thought you were on this journey. It's not that I didn't know myself. It's because I was, you spoke about it before, I hadn't accepted myself. I hadn't claimed the fact that I am someone who can take a stage, that I I'm someone who can perform. I am someone that can share and I am someone that has confidence. I hadn't taken ownership of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it kind of just changed up my thinking. So like an experience like that, that's that's interesting because like just hearing it in in in, in short, I can mm-hmm. kind of extrapolate the details. Mm-hmm. But um, when you have a traumatic event like that, mm-hmm. It's interesting that you were able to psychologically turn it around mm. so quick. Well, I'm saying so quickly. I don't know the time frame, but days like two days. Like okay, there you go. Yeah. So, so that is rapid because um, mm. anxiety is a very mm. understandable response to that situation. Panic um, attacks. Because, yeah. Never had them before. Mm. It was happening. Waking up out of my sleep, just making these noises that I've never even made before. Like you know this anguish, this shock, and it was just pouring out over like a two-day period. But um, when that happened, I was like, okay, this is just here to teach me, so let it teach me. I'm out of it. I'm not dead. I'm not no longer in any physical danger, so allow it to teach me. That's also interesting because the other side of that coin as well is Were you, you and your friend traveling, just the two of you? Yeah, yeah. So, so you're outside of your support system. Mm. You're, I mean, I'm guessing you, you and your friend have a very close bond, but mm-hmm. in some ways, you are a little bit isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, you turned it around to something so positive so quickly. Like I, I I'm generally a positive person, and mm-hmm. I don't think I would have turned that around as quickly as you did. So, what, what is it? that you think, why is it you were, you think you were able to to do mm. that or to just really shift your mindset? Or... Um, because even at that point, I wasn't even heavily into affirmations, meditation, yoga, all of that stuff. It wasn't even really, no, I hadn't even touched on some of it because I hadn't got to Asia yet, which is where I kind of started some of those practices. I think it's just, how can... I'm in tune. I've not got this veil over myself, which I had like years ago of just going with the motions, you know, living life. I don't want to use this term, but you know, this woke business. Okay, be woke to what's happening, but be 
woke to what is happening inside of yourself because there is no use in knowing about all these community things, things that have happened in the past if you do not have a grip on your own reality because you can positively affect others if you have taken ownership on the journey within the bigger journey, you know what I mean? So I'm wow. not sure I can articulate it. But. <laughs> no, that's, that's just, that's amazing. Well, we're thankful that you're okay for one. Um, <laughs> Because I've heard about incidents in Africa, they go south, and mm. so, and you lost your shoes. Well, you got some new shoes, I can see. <laughs> yeah, I, mm. <laughs> you lost your shoes, but you found yourself. Yeah, that's, for real. Reminded poetry. who? Yeah, reminded who I am. I would say, yeah. All right, so I'm so fascinated about your travels, like, and the lessons you've learned. Um, it's got me thinking about. Cause I've known you a, lo- a long time, so I'm not sure if this is something I can touch on. But obviously, when we were young, mm-hmm. there was a slight aesthetic difference mm. to how you look now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. m- not to put words in your mouth, I'm gonna mm-hmm. let you tell yeah. the story yourself. But essentially, you had an insecurity, yeah, and you found a way to resolve it. So I really want to so it seems. explore. <laughs> I want to explore this because I want to understand if the procedure you undertook mm. did you come out the other side with the results you were expecting. Mm, um, okay. But essentially, I don't know if you want to just talk about yeah the the process or what Eastern Security was and yeah, the... I can go there. So I think we've known each other for about twenty years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> big, big 20 years. So before I even knew you, the process started, the conversation surrounding, you know, this um, surgery, which is basically, I can explain that it was upper and lower jaw surgery because I didn't have like a bite at the front. So if I was going to eat an apple, I couldn't really bite into the apple initially. You know how you just crunch into the apple? Couldn't happen because the bite and everything was happening at the back of my mouth because that's where the teeth were able to connect in one way. Didn't affect me being able to speak, breathe, talk, obviously not. Um, So clearly aesthetic, but at a very young age, it was given to me as a decision. Do you want to go down that road? I didn't have enough self-love to say no. Also, you're how old at this point? I was thinking about this the other day. I have no idea. Again, I'm one of them people. I'm just a little bit ridiculous with timelines. So let's say hypothetically around eight. Yeah. Okay. So when it was seeming like it was growing in a certain way. So the decision, someone gave you this option. Was it a doctor gave you specifically the option or? I feel like it was me. Um, There was a time where, okay, we're going to wait to see how your bones develop. So it wasn't as young as that. It's probably like maybe what? Within that two years time frame. It was like, okay, this is how it works. The whole thing was about 10 years from the beginning, from that point of realisation. So too young, in my opinion. And I've questioned myself if I have a child, because this it's hereditary, by the way, so my, my dad had it. My dad's got a few children, but I'm the one who has it. So it doesn't mean, you know, you will or you won't get it. But I've questioned it. I'm like, okay, so if it's my child, what am I going to do? It's crossed my mind. So I would hope, that the way, you know, the dynamic is within my household, that that child has more self-love, self-esteem than what I did. 
you know? So it's not a regret. It's just that also the mental health side of things wasn't there. There was no explanation. Because you know now when people are going to do um gastric bands and things like that, they have psychological review, right? There's not that. Why not? It's a physical thing. It's a, it's a physical, maybe... A, Maybe they do that because those things can um, be negatively affected if you go back to your old behaviour. But I still think that it's important. Mental health is in everything. At the end of the day, a young girl who'd not even been bullied extremely, just one or two comments, I would say, what, to me, it's not extreme when I reflect. But if that insecurity, you know, strong enough, then you're going to make that decision. <laughs> well, I guess, to me, the, the thing I'm going to get my head around is mm. just mm. because you're seven, eight, nine, or whatever mm-hmm. age, you're still going to have insecurities. You're still going to have... Because, I mean, we think of childhood as this playful, gleeful thing, mm. and we forget that... Well, I say we, but, I mean, to mm. me, it's a reminder. You just reminded me that... Yeah. You can have these really strong insecurities to the point that you really want to change. So... Mm. So what, where was, what was your mum's or your dad's or mm-hmm. your parents' stance on that? I think, yeah, I mean, we could get really deep, but I really feel like at the time people were dealing with their own stuff to, to not necessarily give it that much thought to even think, why is my child so invested in wanting to change her face? Like, I can only speak... This is not no disrespect, it's all love. But I can only speak from what I would hope to do if I was in that position and I'm not. So far I'm not I'm not a mother but or a father, you know, I'm not a caregiver in that sense. But I just feel like that's part of the job. You know, you have your daddy cup and your mummy cup and you need to have those need to be filled. So, you know, people were busy filling their own cups. Should you know, that's the only way I can say it in a diplomatic way. You know, people were going through real life and that wasn't a focus of, okay, Buki doesn't like her face and she actually wants to get this surgery. Let's try and build her self-esteem up to make her feel good about herself. And then she can maybe look at that in the future. Because that's, you know, how I would like to approach that if I was a parent. But um, no regrets. I have no regrets about the surgery. I just wonder sometimes if if it was now, would I do it? You Mm. know, probably not. Because... Yeah. <laughs> so you start this process eight, nine. I think I remember around when we would have met, actually, a couple of years. You, I don't think it was mentioned immediately, but maybe a year in. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they had to start working on your jaw, or what, what was the process exactly? Like teeth had to be removed. Good teeth, they had nothing wrong with mm. them, but to make way for the, you know, the I suppose the way things were going to fit together, good teeth had to go, you know, a few different times. Um, wearing braces for a very long time, and that the main thing was the waiting because you you your teeth have to be in a certain position so that it's um, set up correctly for the the um, operation. And when I realised how much attachment I had, going back to attachment to you know the way my face looks and what people think about me or what I thought people think about me because I'll be honest with you I was in a relationship at that point and that person was straight up like well I don't really see why you need to do it I met you in that you know with with that I don't get it and I guess even for them it was like they questioned how good 
you know, their role of helping me with how I feel about myself and all those kind of things. But these things, as I said, they're internal. So no one, no one can't fix that for you. Even doing the operation didn't fix it. And that's when I realized there was two major points. The day before I was due to have it, the operation got canceled and I was broken for a minute. I was like, you know, even though, you know, we'll come back to you and give you another day. I'd attached so much to it and so much emotion and importance was placed on it. That's when I knew that it was a big deal to me mentally. So that's interesting because we, we always think the grass is greener. Like it's kind of, it's, it's an unavoidable thing. Mm. Um, you know, if oh, for, for me, my thing is height, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember in college I had um, this girl, like she was five foot three. Mm-hmm. So I'm taller than her. <laughs> and she's just too short. You're just too short. Oh gosh. And not, but those little things against you. So my, my thing's my height. And you wonder, oh, if, if only I was, like this, then maybe this results would happen. Mm. But obviously, there's not much I can do about my height. I'm, I'm, I'm calm with it. It's calm, whatever. But mm. um, for you to have so much weight on this, okay, I'm change my face. I'm gonna love me, like, yeah. And then to get to that point, mm. so okay, so let's say I don't know what the recovery process is, something like that. Would say, to what age did you have the operation? I was at uni and I did it in the summer. So I, th- I could have been like 19, 20. So wait, like, this process took 10 years. To... Literally, yeah. So <laughs> so there's an initial consultation. They start removing teeth. Mm-hmm. Did they do anything else before the operation? or? No, not really. You've just got to wait for the teeth to move. There's a lot of back and forth, you know, a lot of appointments and work surrounding that. Um, but the whole time, you don't get any emotional stuff. That's what... I, you know so okay from i'm gonna assume the person you were at nine is a different to the person you were at 19 right <laughs> you would assume but not insecurity wise right um <laughs> but so at any point were you thinking i cannot do this or were you just even at 19 so attached to this idea yeah despite the fact that i'd obviously by that age achieved things in my life that would give me self, you know, self-esteem potentially, but it's external. You have to deal with that internal validation or this unworthiness, this I am not good enough, I am ugly, whatever your thing is, it is not going to move until you get internal. I can give you examples and you can read about this on my Instagram. I've spoke about the fact that You know, when I was a teenager, I had scouts from Def Jam giving me their cards, talking about being in music videos. Do you know, I still felt ugly. That is the fact. I had like, you know, big MCs from London when I was a teenager trying to, you know, speak to me. And I'm just like, it did not fix it. It Mm. did not fix it. Mm -mm. (laughs) Oh, so this recovery process, so it's like, I'm going to, this is hypothetical, I don't know, it's three months, maybe something like that, or longer maybe a little bit longer not three to six months yeah okay so you've had the operation i'm gonna ask you two two points Mm. so how did you feel a few days after and then once you were fully recovered six months later Mm. how did you feel then so initially Mm. you've had the operation you built this up in your mind for 10 years Mm. that in 10 years time i'm gonna be so beautiful i'm gonna (laughs) change my face and um, so the day after the operation, mm. how did you feel? Well, so you look like you've been run over by a number 50 bus, mm. like straight up. You're unrecognisable, you know, 
the to get graphic like you know you wake up and a stream of blood pours out of your mouth and no one told me that that was even gonna happen so there's a lot of shock and also just I've never really been in hospital for anything else so being in that environment etc not recognizing my face because even my nose was different at that point because a part of it gets broken and um, when they're when they're working with the jaw so I think it's back to pretty much normal now but at that point it was different and there's a lot to contend with and you're physically uncomfortable. You know, you cannot sleep properly for a long time. Um, you cannot eat, you lick, eat on liquids. But in terms of mentally, I was just like, okay, no one is telling me about this, just not prepared. But because remember, I didn't really know what I had actually attached to it because I hadn't gone internal and looked at the root. I couldn't have said, oh, I'm really insecure. Because I guess in my head, I'm like, it's approved. It's an operation that I'm being given. So it needs to be done. Or else if it was just cosmetic, I'd be paying £10,000. Uh, it's NHS because it's necessary. Like I had dis disassociated this, the sort of the psyche that I had with, with the procedure. Yeah. So the, the day after you, you're just unrecognisable. Mm. So six months down the line now, You've healed. Mm. I'm guessing. Have you become accustomed to this new look at this point? No. So yeah, how did you feel six months later? Then <sighs> I think it takes a long time. You know, imagine looking in the mirror and it's not the same face. Well, you can't imagine. It's not yeah. something you can imagine. Um, to and then have the realization of oh, well, I'm not all of a sudden outwardly confident. You know, it's not fixed it. Like, oh my God, it's not fixed it. What else can I do? Because that's what I thought was the thing that um, held me back. Because, you know, I probably in a way was like, I'm holding myself back. You know, I'm not, I'm not confident in certain ways, but I masked it also. Um, I did performance studies, for example, at college. So, you know, I'd get on a stage and I'd do certain things, but I was never fully in a position to take ownership of, you know, who I am and what I could and couldn't do because of insecurities. And that's, unworthiness is a mofo. Like, it's just so mm. debilitating. And that's why, going back to the work that I do, because don't look at me and think that I just arrived, like, able to talk on a podcast. Are you crazy? The old me would have been hands over mouth. And you can probably remember that. It's Actually, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is a journey and... Like, I, some of the times I can't articulate the work that I've done because it's just been so immense. I've come from so much, like, lack. I was not given certain things. That's just a fact. Like, and I, you know, disclaimer, no disrespect to anyone because people do the best that they can do, but my cups were not filled. Like, that's, that's the reality. Mm. So I've had to do that. I've had to do that, but I, I wouldn't change any of it. No, 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 no. I wouldn't change any of it. It means that I can do this. It means that I can do Daughter of the Sun. It means that I can write poems that can shift people's thinking and maybe they can look at themselves. Maybe they can find healing, you know? So it is what it is. Yeah, like, it's crazy because, like like I just said, you expect the expectation for every, all of us. Mm. If only X or Y. Mm-mm then that would lead to Z. Yeah. Um, and 
you get it and it's it's not what you expect it's it's crazy but it's an important lesson like you just keep saying you have to do the work mm-hmm. and it's such an important lesson and i'm hoping if if anyone is actually listening and there's something they really are wanting to change about themselves that they do take that time to look within um but it's difficult because between the ages of nine and 19 like do you really possess that ability to look within do you know what i mean because you basically that's the the puberty range right so Mm. can i just kind of respond to a part of what you said because i've obviously questioned that even myself like you know maybe in a way a bit of blame like because if i love myself more than i wouldn't have done this and whatever but recently i've met a young woman i think she's 15 or 16 she has the jaw she has the face she is confident she told me that she is not taking this operation so it is possible Mm. it's because it's that unworthiness if there is you know quote unquote these broken pieces that need that tlc that need that that work then that's that's why you're going to make one decision and not the other you know because i saw so much you know, you have those situations, you're like, okay, this is a mirror right now, but you're showing me maybe what could have been. Even though I've always kind of been aware in my adult years that if I did have more self-esteem, etc., then it probably wouldn't have happened. But it was so refreshing to see that, you know, that was my journey. It had to be that way or else it would have been that way. You know, to see it in my face like that, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. So, okay, so we've discussed the day after, we've discussed six months after. Mm-hmm. So today, how mm-hmm. do you feel about your face or mm-hmm. the operation? Like, how do you feel today? Um, it's so, and I wish that I could sit here and say, no, just so much, I'm completely good. You know, I absolutely love myself every day. There are good days most of the time, but there are moments. Like, let's be real, before we started the interview, I didn't even realise it was going to be so visual. And I'm like freaking out a little <laughs> bit, but... I'm still here. I'm present. I didn't say let's let's schedule again when I can do certain things. So many ways I strip myself of this vanity big time. I mean, I can talk about it forever in a day in terms of the way I've chosen to wear my hair. It's the same thing, stripping yourself of vanity. So I'm always doing the work because, like I said, it can fluctuate. But what matters to me is what I'm doing most of the time, you know? Mm. Okay, so we've covered a lot today, <laughs> like some very emotional moments. Um, mm. Like, do you have any advice or tips on self-love that any listeners can take away? Okay, you are going to need, like, radical honesty with self, first of all. Because without that, you, you're not really going to, you're going to do the whole theory thing that I was speaking about earlier. You're going to live theory and that's it. That's not really living in my opinion. Um, What is problematic and challenging to keep, let it fall away. Don't resist. Um, Own your desires, whatever they are, because they're not accidental. Those are the things that I would, just come to my head and I'll just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, perfect. Thank you very much. Like it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you for being 
the experimental episode number one <laughs> where we kind of figure out the kinks and we'll see how it goes on from here but it's been it's been wonderful it's gone better than i could have expected thank you for being so honest and open as well i think that's it's so important because that's where the 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 opportunities to learn come from honesty without mm. it i mean people the beauty of the internet is mm. it has its downfalls pitfalls but that when you feel isolated to be able to see that someone has gone through what you've gone through or mm. what you've gone through mm. um, so yeah thank you for your honesty hopefully that that does help somebody and i'm sure it will so uh yeah that's good, that's good. <laughs> thank you for having me <laughs> so um where can the viewers and listeners find more about you okay so predominantly instagram me as an individual buki words buki is b-u-k-i buki words and then daughter of the sun so it's data of the sun <laughs> d-a-w-t-a-o-t-s data of the sun also run facebook and i have a facebook um like page as well for me also so i'm yeah, about perfect so <laughs> yeah please do follow buki um obviously uh follow bu it's at b-u.co and uh until the next episode <laughs> <laughs>